Good morning. If you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3 again, we're going to finish up as we're continuing our study in Proverbs. My name's Sam Parker. I'm an elder here at Ridgeview. Um, Pastor Mike is out uh, and his family, or some of his family, and pray for a safe return for them back, Lord willing, this upcoming week. Proverbs 3, and we'll start in verse 13, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. My son, do not forget my... Oh, verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord but the uprighter in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. That is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, we come before your word and I pray that we all proclaim, just as that song said, all we want and all we need is found in you. That's true, God. All we want and all we could ever need is is found in you. And it is a miracle of grace and a work of your spirit that helps us see that. To see 
that all of our desires, true desires are fulfilled in you, God. And all our needs are met in you. So I, I pray that as we, as we study your word, God, give, give wisdom. We believe in your spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit to change hearts, to open up your word, to give us um, truth. And so I, I ask that you would, you would reveal that in your word today as we just look at the word and see how life-giving uh, your word is. In Christ's name we pray, amen. There was once a father who was radically changed by a God, this God, Yahweh, who created him. Uh, the father was changed when, when, when God opened his eyes, the God of, of the Bible, and helped this father see that everything in life, all of life was designed for God to be glorified. His life, his purpose, his mission, the, the, this father saw by God's grace that God was who he should live for. And he had a son and he greatly, as a result of him seeing this for himself, he greatly desired for his son to see the same thing. He wanted his son to desire this God, desire Yahweh, desire his wisdom, his divine sense, his order, the way that he has established um, things to, to, to be. Because the father knew that if his son didn't uh, pursue the wisdom of God, the only alternative, and you can see it in verses 31 through th uh, 35, is destruction. That's the only alternative path. Two paths, one of life, to see God for all who he is, worship him, live for him, and the other path is destruction. So this father greatly desired this son to follow his God. And so, but in order to do this, he, he uses a method <clears throat> to spur his son along. And in chapter three, the, the method is to show the son how good God's wisdom is. It's good wisdom. This is real life. So he's, he's motivating him to desire the path that God has offered and to turn away from the path of, of, of folly and to do that, he, he appeals to the son's desires. And then he offers him something way better than anything the son could desire. And the father could have used different tactics, right? He could have said, son, follow God's wisdom. And if the son says, why, dad? Why? why? Uh, he could have said, because he's an authority figure, he could have said, because I say so. We've said that before to our kids. I have. However, he doesn't just say that. He doesn't just say, because I said so. He says something to the effect of, son, I want you to pursue God's wisdom because God's wisdom is way better than all the other things you could desire. It's a better path. He has authority. He could say, do this because I say so. But I think as an act of grace, to give the son a taste an experience of the wisdom of God on display 
he, he goes beyond the, the simple command of because I say so. Um, in other words, he helps reveal the character and the goodness of God. God's path is good. This is, how, this is, this is why it's a good path to follow. And it's good for us to see. It's good for us to see how winsome Proverbs is. God desires to reveal himself. All of Proverbs is, is not just laying out because I said so statements. It's, it's because he's better, follow him. Not just because I said so, even though he has the right to say that to us. He is our God. He says, follow me because I am life, I am peace, and anything outside of me, that's destruction. That's, that's the appeal. So the father sees it, and he's passing it on to the son. He's saying, son, take this wisdom. This is, this is, the, this is the real path. So he sees it, he wants the son to see it, and, and, and the point of this passage is for us to see it. You've got to see that God's wisdom is better. You've got to see the path and desire that path, follow after that path. You've got to see it for yourself. See what the father saw. See what he saw, that God changed his life, and he's living for this God and, and pulling his son along, saying, hey, come after this. Come after this path. And so, as we need to do that, I, I want to spend some time looking at the, the explanation. So that's what he's doing. If the son's saying, well, why, why is God's wisdom better? Father, the father's saying, this is why. This is why he's better. And that's verses 13 through 20. He's explaining it. He's explaining the great wisdom of God. And then, from, from that point, uh, everything else for us is, well, what does that mean? If this is the true path of wisdom, what does that mean for us? Or how do we apply this to our lives if this is what God, God is, is calling us to? And, and then we're gonna look at that warning in verses 31 through 35. The two paths, the path of life and the path of death, all with the desire that we would see. You've got to see and believe. So explanation, let's look at this. Verses 13 um, through, through 20. And, and, and just in 13 through 18, so again, son is saying to dad, explain yourself, why is God's wisdom the right path for my life? The father appeals, uh, uh, both with emotional appeal, he, he appeals to his desires, and he appeals logically. And this first appeal is in, in 13 through 18. He's, he says, follow God's wisdom because God's wisdom is invaluable. It's a better form of wisdom. Everything else actually isn't wisdom. It's the only wisdom. It is invaluable. And you, you can see that in, in verses, in, in verses uh, 13. You know, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Happy, fulfilled. You got it all. And the one who gets understanding. Gain better than silver, profit better than gold, more precious than jewels. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. God's wisdom is invaluable. So he's saying, son, the wisdom God offers you, it exceeds the value of whatever you could find valuable in life. All those precious earthly things, and he lists some of them, right? Money, desires, you know, these, these desire, things that we could desire, security. You won't find better security. You won't find more satisfying uh, desi desires satisfied than, than what you find in the wisdom that God offers. Think about it this way. So again, he's appealing to the things in life that everybody trusts in and everybody hopes for. 
that sense of security, that sense of satisfaction. You're, you're lying to me if you've not, when, when the paycheck has come in or, or your bank is filled and you have a sense of peace that, oh, I can pay the bills next month. You're lying to me if you don't feel some peace there. We all know what that feels like. Or when your wife calls you and she's out and she says, hey, there were some creepy guys following me when I left Goodwill and she's not with you. When she's home or when you, you know, your family goes on a long journey, when they come back, man, I'm glad they're back. They got back safely. You know that feeling. And the father knows, the son knows those feelings. And he says, think about those things. Think about those desires, the, the, the things that, you, that, that gives you some temporary peace. However, he says, he doesn't stop there. He says, God's wisdom is better than that. Whatever you could desire in this life, the things that everybody hopes for, the things, those temporary things that everybody says, yeah, I've got a job. At least I've got my work. At least I've got my health things that you find temporary peace in, God says, nope, God's wisdom is better than that, son. He's appealing to the common things, the desirable things that, that, that we can relate. And when he says it's better than that, if you're honest with yourself and you, you, you know, I've got a job, I've got the security, your ears perk up because you're like, really? It's better than those desires? I know those desires are pretty fulfilling because I know what it's like to not have them to not have those desires fulfilled. And the father says, yes, it's better. I promise it is. So the first appeal, he's explaining the wisdom of God. Why take God's path? Because God's wisdom is so much better than all these things you can relate to. But now, now he goes to a second appeal. And this, it's, 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 a, it's pulling at his desires, but it's, it's logical as well. This is a logical appeal in verses 19 through 20. So if the son says, why is God's wisdom the right path, he, the father's response is, because God's wisdom is the foundation of all the things that everybody trusts in, all those created things. It's the foundation. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds drop down the dew. It is God's wisdom that the Father attributes to the very creation of you and me, the world, everything, all created life. And we don't have time to go into it because he only uses two verses, but write down eight, Proverbs 8, 22 through 31, he goes off on the, the wisdom with which God created the world. So if I could take a guess at what the father's doing, I think he's appealing to the son, again, through his desires and through, and, and also just intellectually, logically, he's saying, um, so, so the first appeal is, think about wealth, son. Think about the things that give you peace, the things that you desire and long for. And, and, and the son starts thinking about them and his mind fills with all these desires that he has. And the father says, son, God's wisdom is better than that. It's better than those things that you're, you're desiring right now. But then he takes it a step further, <clears throat> and this is the intellectual, logical appeal of if there's a God in heaven, and the father says, son, all of those things you desire, where do you find them? And the son, yeah, so pick one of your desires. And so the son, I've got a, the son wants to start a good career, 
And so he says, uh, I desire to go to college because I want a college education so I can uh, get a degree, hopefully get a better job. I want a good career, so I want to go to college. I desire that. Where's the college, son? Well, it's in Shadron. Where's Shadron? It's in Nebraska. Where's Nebraska? It's in the U.S. Where's the U.S.? It's in North America. Or North America. Where's North America? It's on this planet. Son, God, he founded this planet in wisdom. You've got that desire? God founded the earth with wisdom. So you know all those things you desire, the ones that you can taste, that you can touch, that you can handle? God's wisdom is better than that. And did you know that God's wisdom, it's the foundation of all those lesser things you could desire, all those trinkets that you could put your hope in? It's a logical and emotional appeal. You like the earth, right? The earth is full of those things that you put your hope in. God, in wisdom, is the one who founded the earth. So how could you not prize wisdom? That's the appeal. How could you not prize wisdom? If you despise the wisdom of God, you are despising the perfect, wise plan of the God who made you. Despising God's wisdom is like, we talk about it, or it's said before, but this passage really hits it It's living a lie. If I despise God's wisdom, it is saying the wisdom by which I exist is not the wisdom by which I should live my life. So God in wisdom created the world and he created me and then he says, follow my wisdom. And you say, this thing, God, I have my being in you, but I'm gonna go take another path of wisdom. That is ridiculous. The th- God, by wisdom, founded the earth. He formed you, and you can see that he created all things in Genesis. <coughs> so you have all these desires. They're twisted, don't get me wrong. They're, they've been twisted by sin, sexual desires, desires for security, desires for peace. They're all twisted, but... They are founded in God's creation and can all be understood rightly in God's wisdom. So how could we not desire the wisdom in which you have your own being? It's, it's, It's ridiculous. So I think that's the appeal the father's making. The appeal is this is better wisdom. It is the wisdom by which you exist. Why are you going to turn to another form of wisdom? So, the rest of the passage is, what does this mean? What does this mean for my life? How do I apply it? That's another, you know, we say that. What's the application for us? And the rest of the passage is, so, therefore, in New Testament terms, find your confidence in the Lord. That's verses 21 through 26. Verse 21, if you were here last week, this looks a lot very similar to verses one through 12, which we studied last week. There's a command, find your, uh, hold fast, right? Hold fast to this, hold fast to the Lord. And there's a promise of incredible good. 
incredible good that is going to come from following the Lord. So 21 through 22, that looks a lot like verses uh, one, th- uh, 1 through 4 of chapter 3. So I think we have commands and promises in 1 through 12. We've got an explanation of why God's wisdom is so much better in 13 through 20. And now he's getting back to commands, promises. I think that's how chapter 3 is set up. And, and so... 21 through 22, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And I think the meaning is, is explained in verses 26 when he talks about when you, when you don't need to be afraid of the ruin of the wicked. He says, because the Lord is your confidence. That's the bedrock. Keep confidence in the Lord. He will keep you secure. He will hold you fast. That, so, so. That is, that's, I think, the, the command in 21 through 22. Keep hold of these. Keep your confidence in the Lord. And the promise is really good. So good for you. Life for your soul. Adornment for your neck. You've got a new, a, a new life uh, banner that's you know, around your neck saying, I'm following God's wisdom. You walk securely on your way. Your foot will not stumble. And you won't, you won't be afraid anymore. That's the, 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 the emphasis in the response of, of if you're following God's path, you're secure. In sleep, when evil is at your door, the ruin of the wicked when it comes, you don't have to be afraid because God is your confidence. It's a better path. It's a much better path to follow. And, and that's why that's why he says, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. And if you're still asking, why, wait, why is it good for me? Go back to the appeal, the, the appeal to the creation and ask yourself, why is a light bulb only helpful when it's screwed into the light fixture? If you're in a dark room and you tape the light bulb to your ceiling, in hopes to get some light, you're not gonna get any light. It's, the light bulb was designed for a purpose. It needs a fixture and it you know, connected to electricity and a light switch. It, that's the wisdom God calls you to. Live in accordance with the way you, with the way you were created. The light bulb is designed to be plugged into the light fixture and then you turn it on and you get light. You try and use the light bulb any other way, it doesn't work. There's one way for it to work. And if you go the other way, any other way, you're in a dark room. And so the same thing applies. If God, who has revealed himself as a purposeful creator, he's a relational God who is offering himself to us, this God of the universe, that should blow our minds. If he reveals that I exist, I exist for his glory, and then he offers this path to follow after, to be in, um, to be in the path that, that he has designed, this path of wisdom, wouldn't it be logical that whatever happened in my life, if I am following this path of wisdom, it's gonna be better because it's totally in line with God, his plan, his glory. It's like the light fixture, right? Not taping it to the ceiling or going some other path. 
It's gonna be better. It is going to be better. If your life is pursuing God's wisdom, you're living in, in line with the way, uh, with his, his design, his plan. It's good. You will then have peace. You're on his side now. You're not outside of his side. You're, you're, you're not his enemy, which we're gonna get to in a little bit. The Lord is your confidence now. How can the psalmist say, God is my light and my salvation? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who can say that? Unless your confidence is in the Lord. So that's the first application. Because God's wisdom is the path to life and it's shown in his purposeful design, his wisdom founded the earth, he created you. Because his wisdom is the path to life, put your confidence in the Lord. It's illogical any other way. It's folly, as the Proverbs would say. And then the second application is to live it out. Live out this wisdom that God has offered. Or as the Father puts it negatively, do not, in verses 27 and following, do not live like you haven't found God's wisdom. Don't live that way, contrary to, 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 the, to, the, to the design with which you've been called into. So, what do the people who find God's wisdom do with it? They live it out as image bearers of, of God's wisdom. Now, th- this, is, this is something where, you know, we, we separate these two. And again, th- seeing and trusting and living are not to be separated. Seeing with my, with my eyes or just thinking about this logically and, and intellectually, it, it, they're not designed to be separated. Once you see it, you follow. The, the, but this passage breaks them down in that way. You're the hands and the feet of God's wisdom as one who has seen that his wisdom is, is wise. So what you become is you become just like the father explaining to his son, you're a taste of, of the wisdom of God. By showing the wisdom of God in your life, you are an experience of the wisdom of God. Not just saying, follow God because I say so. Follow God because he has changed my life. He actually calls me to love instead of just seek vengeance and to um, be a, a trustworthy neighbor as he, 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 he goes into here and, and, fall, and further. He calls us to live out wisdom. So not doing any of those things, that's not choosing the foundation by which you should have your being, that foundation of peace. Notice in 27 through 30, so these are the do nots. They're all great, if you, if you do the do nots, they're great acts of injustice, unfairness. And they always cause turmoil instead of peace. The things that God calls you into by his grace. So with gold, withholding good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power, you have the ability to do something and you choose to withhold it. And they, that's injustice. Say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when I have it with you or when you have it with you. Deceit, injustice. Planning evil against your neighbor, the one who dwells trustingly beside you, verse 29, anti-neighborly, anti-trustworthy, unjust, Contend with a man for no reason. This is really, you don't have a right to contend. Why are you contending? 
injustice. And I think if you ask yourself, would I want God to treat me this way? This is where the rub hits. Because part of us would probably say, because this is the two paths, right? There is the path of life. There's the path which is wisdom, God's wisdom. And then there's the path of folly, which is destruction. Part of us would probably say, um, yes, I want God to be fair. I want him to be just um, when I'm trusting in him. In other words, I don't want you to let me down, God. I want God to, to, be, to be fair. If I'm trusting in him, just like that neighbor who's dwelling trustingly beside you, they're putting their trust in you that you're not gonna stab them in, in their sleep. You want God to be just to you, but, but we don't, want God to be, uh, excuse me, we want God to be unfair when, uh, when the sin in my life is exposed. I don't want God to be fair there because if he is fair, the only other path is, is folly, right? If he's being fair against my sin, I am a condemned person. So that gives us a problem. And all of Proverbs is gonna give you this problem. The two paths, you're exposed, but you, you want God to be fair, to, to, to be faithful to you if you put your trust in him. You don't want to be God, God to be fair if he condemns you and condemn you for rightly doing, rightly condemning you for your sin. But Proverbs is, is super clear, guys, that God is always fair. He is always just. So whether you like it or not, God is always going to be fair. He never withholds from doing the things which he wills to do. He never contends with you for no reason. He will not do that. He never backstabs those who trust in the Lord and he is always just. That is, that is why there are two paths and not multiple. And so we see when we get to verses 31 through 35, as he is fair in, in, in dealing out his justice, it's clear that those who are in God's wisdom, you are justly secure, and those outside are justly condemned. It's not, it, it's, you, can't have, you can't have a third path. And I think we like to, to think that there is one. There's only two paths. Not if God is just, at least. If God is just, He will do what he says. All right, so here's the warning. And this, this is the very reason, remember, this is the very reason wisdom is calling out. If you don't follow the Lord, if you don't put your hope in the Lord, it's the reason the father is pleading with his son, there's only two paths, son. There is life and there is death. Because God is just, he is always fair, He's always fair, he's just. He always doles out retribution against evil. So don't be envious of evil men. That's what you know, verse, verse uh, 30, 31, I think says, right? And, and the, the explanation on why you shouldn't be evil is the devious, they're an abomination. 
The wicked are cursed. The scorners are gonna be scorned. Fools are gonna get disgraced. You might think you can live outside of God's wisdom on a separate path, thinking like, okay, alternative neutral path. Not, it doesn't exist. In the end, it's gonna be a curse. It, it really is. The Bible is very clear about this. Path to life, path to death. You know, you, you can, if you jump out of the plane and you've got the parachute of God's wisdom accessible and offered to you, you need that to live. And you can flap your hands or whatever, try and, and come up with an alternative plan and what we all do, if you're outside of Christ, is you live in denial, naive to, that, to, the, to the truth that you're falling down, and it's not going to be a good end, but, but you get distracted. You see the sunlight, and you see the clouds, and, oh, this is a nice life. Then you're dead. That, that's, that's, that's the alternative path. Even if you think it's a neutral path, I'm a good person, it, it's, it's still the path of death. It's still the path of death. Only the naive are going to think that that's a good life. The wise hold on to that parachute of wisdom. The, alt, the other path, the upright are in God's confidence. The righteous receive blessed dwellings. The humble are favored. The wise are honored. So if you're asking yourself, how do I know if I've found God's wisdom? Because that's how the, the passage starts. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. So if that's who that person is, if they're blessed, if they really have, they're on the, the right path, the path that's not gonna lead to abomination, curse, scorn, disgrace, how do I know I found it? And if I'm honest with myself, because there are two paths, now I'm not living in denial, I know that I have not always lived in God's wisdom. And I, if I'm losing battles with sin, and if God is just, how do I know that I'm not condemned by God's justice? There is hope, gospel hope. It's the only answer if you've got, if you have fear when you read those last verses. Um, two things the gospel does, gospel hope and gospel witness. So God is always just, God is always just. If you're in Christ, Jesus has taken your injustice and he has nailed it to his cross. So your sin has been paid for, all that injustice for which God could condemn you. Rightly so. All your sin, all that wrong, put on Christ. It wasn't put on you. And that is why Jesus is called the wisdom of God. First Corinthians 1. We'll probably go back to this a lot because this is where the gospel and the wisdom of God are seen as the same. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, because of, of him, because of the work God did, you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God. So that's, that's where Christ is wisdom. He is that path to follow. 
He, 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 in Christ, we have true wisdom from God, but he doesn't just stop there. He became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So not just, hey, here's the path, try and follow it, Sam. Good luck, exposed sin. This is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is my righteousness. He is my sanctification. He is my redemption. All of that found in Christ. So in Christ, God doesn't see me as evil. He doesn't. He sees righteousness. He sees Christ's righteousness. Banner over your life, something that you can put around your neck, Christ's righteousness. I live in the wisdom of God. I'm living in the, the wisdom of the righteousness of Christ who took on my sin and nailed it to the cross. It's done. I God has been just to me. He paid for my sin and he it went to Christ. I am on the path of life. True life, real life. That's the hope. Wow, that's hope, right? If Satan tempts you to despair, it's the song, tells you of the guilt within, upward I look, right? All I see is Jesus who put an end to my sin. He made an end to it. And now I'm walking in wisdom in the righteousness of Christ. So gospel hope, but gospel witness. So when, when God looks at you and he sees the work of Christ and you're called to follow him, so you're, you know, you're now made new in Christ. You're not, you're not who you were anymore. You identify with Christ. We are called to represent that to the world. So think back to 27 through 30. Think of all the opportunities you're gonna have in the coming weeks uh, to put God's wisdom on display. And, and he focuses on neighbors, and it, or that's, that's a couple of the, in verses 27 through 30. So if, 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 if you, if you wanna be a, a gospel witness, if you wanna witness the wisdom of God, be a witness of the wisdom of God in, in your life, um, you've got to show your neighbor where your righteousness truly lies. They've got to see where your righteousness truly lies. And it can't point back to you. And that's tempting. Man, he's such a good person. He's such a nice neighbor. Don't I love him or her? They're just so kind. Don't let them point back to you. Point them to where your righteousness truly lies. Point them, so if you do well, you're gonna be able to point them to see that your neighborliness, your trustworthiness, that's, that's the work of Christ. You attribute it to him. Because it is his. He is your righteousness. If they think you're righteous or you're a, you're a good person, you've got to point the neighbor, whoever, your kid, your, ki your child, your friend, your coworker, point them to the righteousness which, by which, uh, without which no one will see the Lord, the, the righteousness of Christ. And if you do poorly, and I think this is when, um, if, 
when you sin, you've got to repent and you need to show your, your neighbor in, by your repentance that your righteousness rests on Christ's work. So in humility, we are not a people who deny that sin exists. And we do not deny that this Christian life is a fight. And we do not live in denial with our neighbor about the nature of our sin. So when we sin against our neighbor, you repent and you show your neighbor when you fail him, you, you, you go to the cross first and then you make it right with your neighbor and, and you draw him to the cross and show him why it was wrong. It's not just sin against you, against the Lord I have sinned. And I am forgiven in Christ's righteousness. If we do this, if we strive after this, this is, we're, we're doing what the father wanted the son to see. We are appealing to that neighbor, whoever it may be, to see God's true path of wisdom. See that path of wisdom and, and pray that they would, that God would open their eyes and desire it. See it, want it, follow after it, just like the miracle that God did in your life to help you see that. Let's walk out into this. We have hope from the gospel. You're righteous in Christ. You have a witness in the gospel to tell others about the wisdom of God. Put it on display. That is what we are called to do. Point people to this God. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the wonderful work of Christ. Um, he is our only path. He is our only, uh, our wisdom. He is your wisdom, God. Um, and, and we thank you for him. May we live in the light of that today and for the rest of our lives in the path of your wisdom. In Christ's name we pray, amen.